the Korea Pod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Our host for today's episode is our founder and CEO, Mr. Fred Studley. In this episode, Fred talks with Brian Kenny, a financial services and financial planning executive. They talk about his career, which started in a large, though privately held, financial services organization, and later he and several colleagues departed from there and started their own small financial planning firm. He talks about the evolution of the pension to 401k environment. They discuss emerging technologies and the information overload that can come from the 24-hour news cycle of cable television. He also talks about the importance of mentoring, the importance of a good work ethic, and the importance of continuing to engage with clients on a very one-to-one and personal basis, despite all the internet tools and environments that surround financial planning and financial advice. It's a very interesting conversation in a field that has changed drastically in the past 20 to 30 years from someone who is at the leading edge of most of its significant milestones and evolutions. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to CareerPod. We're here with Brian Kenny, who uh, we're very pleased to have with us today. How are you doing today, Brian? Very good. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. All right. Well, Brian, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your early life education and and whether or not that impacted your career choice and direction. Sure. Um, I grew up on the Cape uh, in Falmouth, Massachusetts, went to a public high school. Uh, From there, I went to the University of Connecticut uh, for engineering. At the time, I thought that was a great uh, field. I think I made that decision because uh, uh, I think you made the most money coming out of college in engineering. Actually, that was that was the driving force behind that decision. Uh, while at UConn, I, I actually switched out of engineering uh, and became an economics major. Uh, while working in high school and through college, I worked on a, a ferry called the Island Queen. And that's significant because the owner of that uh, that business had a friend at Fidelity Investments, and uh, he opened the door for me to get my first job at Fidelity. Yeah. So networking works uh, throughout a life, and, and whether you're developing a business or selling a product or service or getting that first job, right? Without question. And, you know, that, that has come up uh, multiple times in my career anyway. All right. And when you, you had an entry-level position at Fidelity, uh, what was the nature of that first job? Yeah, the entry-level position at Fidelity was uh, a phone rep. Okay. Um, you, you have the 1-800 number. Fidelity was famous for print advertisements back in those days. This is uh, 1985 uh, when I started there. Print ads, dial 1-800 number, and a, and a guy like myself would pick up the phone and talk to you. Okay. And... In terms of acquiring skills, uh, if I understand it right, there are certain uh, certifications you get in that early part of your career that you know was useful, obviously, as you go through. Yeah, without a doubt. And in, in you know the, the what I learned at Fidelity, they had a, an outstanding training program, not only to help you pass those exams that you're referencing, uh, but many other aspects of, of business, uh, you know, customer customer satisfaction and service and uh, all, all types of things I learned from Fidelity, which is an outstanding company. 
if I think back to those days and weigh what I learned in college versus what I learned from Fidelity, uh, it seems like I learned more from Fidelity. And college might have taught you how to learn, but Fidelity really taught me a lot about my, my business. And was your path initially to stay with Fidelity or was it ultimately to leave and, and become a you know, financial planner? Or what was your thought? That's a great question. I, I ended up staying at Fidelity for 23 years. And uh, when I first got there, I was just thankful to, to be at such a great company. I met a lot of great friends. It was, it was constantly challenging. I, over the 23 years, I had multiple roles uh, ranging from in the legal department to you know a sales-related uh, um, position to management. Uh, so I, I, I really learned, again, a lot from those, those different stops. Uh, I had no intention of, of leaving until uh, you know, maybe a, a year or two before I actually did leave. You know, I got to the point where I was in a job. It was it was a great position. Uh, they would asked me to to take on larger roles. I just didn't want to for personal reasons. Um, and I was I was comfortable there until uh, the, the opportunity to go in a completely different direction came up. But I was very happy there for again 23 years. And what was the uh, most challenging and rewarding part of your career? Let's say mid-career at Fidelity. What was the interesting part of it? Well, the, the, on the challenging part, there, there was um, a lot of what happens in that company, I would assume a lot of big companies, is your measures of success are very internalized. Uh, that's a privately held company. Uh, so your, your metrics of success were, uh, that was frustrating. Um, one of the mantras there was, you know, great job. Uh, let's see if you can do more with less. Okay. And uh that became challenging over the years to the point where I felt it was not only detrimental to the clients I was serving, but probably more importantly to the employees that were reporting to me. Hmm. So that was challenging. Um, rewarding, uh, uh, there was lots of things. There was financial rewards, but uh, the friendships and, and uh, that you make with your coworkers is important. But I also felt Fidelity puts you in a very good position to do the right thing for your clients. And when you're helping folks with uh, their finances and investments and saving for college and retirement, uh, you know, that's really important to folks and know you're, you're doing the right things and have good tools to do it. That, that was very rewarding. And you entered this field and, and subsequently uh, you were supporting clients that because of the differences in pensions and retirement planning uh, where my father had, you know, a fixed retirement plan and, and when he retired, he just collected checks. There was not the level of involvement in advisory requirements and uh, uh, needs, if you will, that there are currently with 401ks and other investment vehicles. So that's a big swing, I, I suspect, right? That's very true. That's very true. And Fidelity was uh, at the forefront of, of that <laughs> migration, I would call it, from uh, Americans really relying on pensions from the companies that they worked for for years to uh, saving on their own through 401ks. Uh, Fidel was a big player in that game. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, they did a great job training uh, the folks at Fidelity as to how to help people prepare uh, for a comfortable retirement and all the things that went into that. 
Now, Fidelity, uh, like most large companies that uh, are looking to be best practice, I'm sure there are plenty of uh, opportunities to build skills and credentials uh, through training programs, especially as you got into supervisory roles. Uh, did you benefit greatly from that kind of opportunity? Uh, definitely. You know, they, they did have formal programs uh, that I would take advantage of. One in particular was, a you know, an executive MBA program at Wharton that, that I attended, uh, uh, that I learned a tremendous amount from. But, you know, I, I think I would also say that you, you learn a lot from your peers there. Uh, they, um, they themselves would, would challenge you. Uh, I learned a lot from observing peers, uh, my own managers, uh, trying to emulate uh, what I thought they did very well and, and obviously conversely uh, eliminate those that I didn't think did such a good job. So not just the formal programs, but the informal learning from you know great people that you're working with. Well, that leads us into the whole subject of mentoring. Uh, I'm sure you had a number of mentors, formal and informal, but who would you point out, uh, either by name or just by general description, had the best uh, and biggest influence on you? Ah, that's a that's a great question too. Uh, you know, I, I think I would name Carl Schofield, and that goes way back. I, I have had a number of great uh, managers, bosses, uh, mentors. Uh, not all of them were my direct boss, but uh, Carl is, is an example of that. He was not my boss. He was. Uh, uh, managed another region, uh, but he lived in the same town. Um, so we saw each other socially as well as professionally, uh, and I learned a tremendous amount from him. I, you know, not just from the industry, but a lot about work-life balance, which is, I, I think, really important to be successful long term. Okay, and for those younger people listening to this uh, podcast. Did you seek him out? Sometimes it's challenging to, uh, you know, get a mentor. And, and some companies have formal mentoring programs and they assign mentors and so forth. But most of the time, it's either you take a risk and take the initiative, or in some cases, mentors will reach out and be this type of person. How, how did it work with Cal? Yeah, it was the former. It was informal. Uh, we we. we kind of formed a relationship. We had some mutual interests. Uh, we, we, we golfed together. And as I mentioned, we, we would commute together because we lived in the same town. So that was the beginning of it. So it was an informal uh, relationship for that one. But there were formal programs at Fidelity, and, and they worked. And I became a mentor to many people, uh, both formally and informally. I, I, again, I recognize the the value that uh, what I learned from Carl and, and did my best to try to uh, pass the same along to as many folks as I could while I was managing folks. Okay. Well, let's fast forward and, and talk about uh, your current role. And how, how do you describe your title on your business card? What is your title? Uh, my business card is a registered principal. Um, <laughs> and th that title is really, uh, it, it's, it's there because we had to choose from a, a select number that are available through the, the firm that we clear through. Um, I consider myself a partner in the small business that, that we own. It's called Alignment Financial Group. Um, 
And uh, we, I went from a company that at Fidelity Investments, 23,000 employees. I had a staff of 35 reporting to me uh, when I left Fidelity to join Alignment Financial Group as a partner. There were three of us okay. um, in one office. So it was quite a jump. And, and how would you define the basic responsibilities you have? Uh, you know, you obviously don't have, you know, 25, 35 people that you're directing. But uh, what do you look at as your primary reason to exist? What do you do? <laughs> well, the uh, I could just say jack of all trades, but that would be a little too too uh, high level. But uh, I do feel that way sometimes. But really, we're about business development still. We're we're still a relatively new company, so a lot of my responsibilities are on business development, but also on our, our client retention. You know, our clients are very important to us as a small firm. We know each and every one of them very well. So once we do uh, acquire a new client, keeping them is is right at the top of the list as well. And the basic service is, you know, financial advisory service? Correct. Financial advisory services for, for individuals and, and families uh, is our core business. Um, about four years ago, as a result of that core mm-hmm. business, uh, by helping one of our clients look at their 401k plan, and just you know, we talked about that earlier from my fidelity experience, uh, we now have uh, four people exclusively working and, and building and developing a, a, a great business on the 401k side, advisory services for 401k. And there are a lot of people, uh, sole practitioners or uh, individuals which would join larger entities in fulfilling the role of financial advisor, uh, you've gone a, a different route. And just in general, um, how do you feel about that as a career field for people to enter? You know, it, what's interesting about that, tying a few things together uh, from what we talked about earlier, in my management uh, capabilities or uh, roles at Fidelity, I, I mentioned lots of folks on career choices. And uh, even after I left Fidelity, many would come to my offices here at Alignment Financial Group and ask my opinion. And a lot of folks, you know, were looking to go different ways. Uh, the, the trend was to leave, especially the, the Fidelities, um, a lot of why the reasons I left, and try to go out on your own um, and, and, and start your own advisory firm, similar to what we did. And it's it's a tough jump. It is uh, – I used to mentor folks to – Take your time. Go someplace that's, you, you know, the library, someplace not normal for you, and think clearly about what are the pros and cons of the decision you're about to make. And I can tell you, I did the same thing, but the list of pros and cons I made, which is nine years ago now, uh, is irrelevant. <laughs> Completely different sets of challenges and rewards came out of that move. Oh, that's interesting. Uh- what was chief among them uh, in the old on old list that have changed dramatically in your new list? Uh, you know, I think on the on the challenging side, uh, what was I underestimated was the the lack of support, or maybe the right way to say it is the amount of support that we received on on multiple levels that you just don't think of from a large company right. like Fidelity right. to doing it all on your own, whether it's IT. Uh, you know, negotiating a lease, uh, you know, you, you name it, HR uh, compliance. Uh, there's just lots of things that have to be done. 
Um, and no one else is going to do it, but one of us. Um, and I knew that to some degree, but again, you just, you just don't know how much that is until you're doing, you just, it used to be a number I could call at Fidelity right. done for you. And sometimes that number just circles back to my phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you talk to yourself often. Uh, right. Uh, oftentimes it, it, it may have to do with lifetiming, meaning if you're early in your career going out on your own, uh, because of reasonable risk aversion, uh, isn't necessarily the best thing to do. But after some amount of years and, and some amount of you know financial planning, uh, you have less risk aversion. So in your case, uh, you had over 20 years of you know uh, experience and maturity to uh, kind of allow you to take that risk because ultimately it is a risk when you go on your own or into a small company. So. Uh, Without a doubt. And, and, you know, all of those things you mentioned before and, and some more were on my list of pros and cons. It was a very, you know, expansive list. And, and to your your last point, um, you know, financial risk for me personally to, to go from a, you know, a great position to, you know, starting from scratch, basically, you, you needed to have a, a, a safety net there. Uh, you know, when you tie that into your personal life, I have, I have two kids and a great marriage and they rely on me. Uh, but my kids were just the right age for me able to do that too. Yeah. Um, so I factored all of those things in, and you know, although everything changed and there's a lot of challenges, I would have no regrets whatsoever. Good. How about the role of emerging technologies? Uh, how has that affected your job per se in terms of either ease of doing it now versus maybe 15 years ago, or even from a demand side? Uh, uh, so much data is available and has to be crunched and so forth. Um, or you're 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 kind of 24 by seven. You have people calling you uh, that may not have been able to reach you in your past life. So what what role has emerging technology played uh, in your position or, or how you do your work? I, you know, I, I view that as as all positive. I, I think it makes us uh, not only more efficient. But it also allows you to to uh, capture that work life balance more efficiently. Uh, you know whether it's your phone routing system or you know the, your phone or laptops that allow you to to do virtually anything anywhere um, compared to even ten years ago. Um, it, it's it's leaps and bounds better for everybody right. for for the experience for our clients and for me being efficient. I, I, the challenge there, though, I, I think, is you, you need to not get caught in the trap, at least in, in, in my business, of relying too much on technology and texting or emailing or whatever, uh, you know, face-to-face uh, and picking up the phone and speaking to someone directly is, is still something you got to do. Yeah, it's still a high-touch uh, type of service you're providing. Uh, how about the, you know, you're in an environment where, the customers now have access to so much data. Uh, there are so many talking heads on TV or on the internet, uh, filling with them with competing opinions. Uh, how about the whole issue of false expectations with your clients, and how do you uh, massage your way around that, or how do you deal with it directly, uh, or maybe it's a non-issue? Um, no, no, it's a great question. It, it, it's a big issue in, in our industry in financial services and, and acting as an investment advisor for certain. I, I would say that's 
I would categorize that as a difference between my my life at Fidelity and my life uh, here at Alignment Financial Group in the sense that I'm not dealing with with the masses, so to speak, in in this um, uh, large capacity of clients that we tried to work through at Fidelity. We have a a much smaller group of clients. So the point there is our communication is very clear. Um, and although there are clients that still may misunderstand or, or, or think they know better, let's say, uh, when we communicate so um, often and uh, consistently on, on how we approach things and our, and our views, uh, it actually gets easier. And most of our clients know exactly what we do, what to expect from an answer on, you know, something they read or heard about as it relates to the financial markets. Right. Well, that will help you in the next bubble. And there always is a bubble that will break. And uh, uh, so much of the market is about timing and, and, and so forth. So having people with reasonable expectations and a lot of transparency between you and them uh, is going to be rewarded, I guess. But you're in a personal service uh, business uh, primarily. So, what what pathways do you take in uh, developing and retaining uh, customers? Okay, that's a great question, and it's it's in the process of being answered every day. Uh, but you know, as I look back from where we are now, from where we started, um, most of our business comes through referrals. Um, and as you can imagine, when you're first starting out with a handful of clients, that can be pretty slow. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we've tried different things along the way. So, for instance, our 401k business, we've, we've hired just two guys that are literally cold calling on businesses um, to, to get in the door to talk about improving that company's 401k. That's uh, a unique situation in the sense that you, you, there's public information on these businesses through their Form 5500s uh, uh, that are filed. So we know who needs help, um, and therefore a cold caller there makes sense, uh, and again, because of the business. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, from one of your earlier questions, Fred, about emerging technologies, we, we, we're, we're just trying a new approach to, to develop more business on the, on the wealth management side for individuals and families utilizing LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and we're going to see how that works out. We, we've done things like that a few times. Uh, you know, uh, every other year or so, we'll say, let's try something different and invest some money in a marketing approach that's unique, in addition to our blocking and tackling with referrals and, and social networks. Right. You know, the whole area of social media and the Internet and drip campaigns and just frequency of contact, uh, you know, can be rewarded. Now, there's old-school business development. You mentioned you're a golfer. Uh, you're on the 18th hole, and a, a really great prospect is golfing with you. Uh, a couple rules of engagement here. He's got, let's put it this way, she's got a putt of four feet. Uh, would you ever concede that putt? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, you know, I, that's come up before and I'm, I'm like, I always make, they're always going to make the putt, you know, uh, depending upon the circuit, because that's who, that's who I am. We're competitive. So, right. uh, you know, I'm a big believer in, in transparency and, and, you know, I, there's a circle of friendship out there for golf for sure, as we call the gimme putts, but right. we're also very competitive. And if, if you're a great client or, uh, just another buddy, uh, you got to make the putt. Uh -huh. 
<laughs> but you did say never, and then you made the exception. Well, it depends. So anyway, so if you you've beat yeah, it this, depends upon the round. Right, you know, we having fun, or we, you know what I mean? Yeah, all right, good enough. But I'd rather have I'd rather have a match. Okay, there you go. Uh, if you look back in your career, how about uh, any things you would have done differently? <sighs> you know, um, I, I'm not one of those guys. I'm sure there are. Uh, I'm sure there are, but I, I I really can't put my finger on something that said, geez, I wish I did that. I'm I'm very much an optimist. I mean, I, I met my wife at Fidelity. Um, I had a great career there. I had some great friends there. I, I, I love the move I've made here to London Financial Group. It's a very special thing we've got going on here. So in the bigger picture, no. Um, are there some minutiae out there that maybe I could have done something differently? Without a doubt. But I, I look at that as a learning experience and, and say I just won't do that again. I'd go forward and learn from it. How about some general advice to new careerists or people from zero to 10 years of experience and they're still building a career based on your fidelity experience and also your your small company experience? Uh, what general advice do you, do you give people? You know, I, I, I would say it ties a lot of what we talked about together that right from the beginning that that, that entree from my, my high school job to Fidelity was because I worked hard when I, when I was working on that ferry. Uh, I had a, you know, your work ethic, uh, people pay attention to that and it sticks with you. And when you think people aren't paying attention, they, they probably are. So, you know, if you're going to do something, do it right, work hard, people will notice, um, don't cut corners. Uh, and if you focus on the client at all times, you can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a person we interviewed, Jim McDonough, put it differently. He said when he he got some great advice uh, early on when he was just starting his career. He he was told when you go to work, you find out the person who gets there earliest, and you get there earlier than that person. You find out the person who stays the latest, and you stay later than that person. Now you're working; it's not all for show. Uh, but you build your brand is the new way we'd say it, but the old way yeah. is you build your reputation. And that's why a person that takes the ferry or knows someone that knows someone in Fidelity would put you up in, in the running for a position. And it stays with us our whole life. We've, we've also worked with people that really work at not doing anything. And we know how hard you have to work <laughs> to avoid working. So when your in-basket is empty... Uh, you can, you know, fake it as a, a new hire, or you can go ask for more work. It's really easy. Uh, so I think that's one thing that you said, and a lot of our participants have agreed to, the importance of, of building your reputation and working hard, simply. So. Yeah, I mean, if you remind, and just make another comment on that, you triggered something for me there, Fred, that uh, one of the formal trainings I had at Fidelity that was really outstanding uh, relating to what we're discussing, it was it was called brand management. And it, it, it's it's all about what you just mentioned in terms of work ethic and, and you know, getting in early, staying late, et cetera. But the way they articulated it in, in one of the sessions I felt was very, it resonated with me. And it was if you're sitting on a plane and, and you, you hear two two business folks uh, in the seat next to you talking about an individual. And this happens. This is real life. This is, you know, who do you know? Who opens doors for you? Who doesn't? And you hear a genuine conversation about 
you know, so what do you think of Brian Kenny or what do you think of John Smith and the other person who's a friend of his gives him the straight scoop on what his impression is. And that's brand, that's your brand, whether you like it or not. And if you're a clown around the office or if you're coming in late, you don't think people will notice, they do notice. That's when it comes up in those conversations and either the door is opening for you or it's shutting. Yeah, no, it's very true. Uh, looking back at your career, would you, and if you didn't get into financial services, what might you have done? Yeah, I, I, that's a that's a tough question. I I, I think I I thought about that before, and and I have a hard time envisioning myself doing anything other than that. I I I wonder if that. I think that's a good thing because if I had uh, daydreamed or been dreaming about doing something else, like I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with this job, I'd rather be doing mm-hmm. X. I don't have that. Um, I, I, I feel uh, like this job um, can be very rewarding. I said it earlier, and even more so as we run our own business. And, and our business is what we do for our clients is literally what we would do for our mothers or brothers or sisters or best friends right. with all the knowledge and experience that we have. So we feel very good about it. We know it's important to them, um, so I, we're very passionate about what we do, and, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what else I could have or should have done, right. I guess. So I don't have a good answer no, for that. No, that's fine, and it leads into uh, the whole issue of why people leave companies, and it's consistently been analyzed, and, and, and my point is proven that the number one reason people leave their job has less to do with what they do or what they get paid, it has to do with their supervisor. And you spoke mm-hmm. earlier that you had the benefit of some great, you know, managers that you worked with and, and for. Uh, obviously, you principally work for yourself now, and you're an incredible manager. So, uh, but <laughs> that kind of satisfier is, is very helpful uh, when you look at a career, both looking ahead into one or looking back at one. So that's good. That's right. And the way we articulate that is, is uh, you know, we, we want our efforts, what we do to benefit our share owners and ourselves and, and, and you know, not the share owners of the companies we work for. Okay. You know, so it's it's putting that effort that it, it really gets, it cuts out the middleman, so to speak. Our clients and ourselves are the beneficiaries of the hard work. All right. How about the role of luck in your career? Any uh, thing you could point to, good or bad, that you would describe yeah, You know, there's luck? a good one there. There's a good one on, on that. I, I've always been a believer that you create your own luck to to a degree, and this ties into what we were discussing on work ethic. Uh, one of the big breaks in my career happened, uh, boy, I, that was probably 1990, going back that far, and I was working late. I was making outbound calls between 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, and, and uh, one of my biggest clients picked up the phone that evening, mm. and um that by getting that 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 huge client, uh, that moved me into a different role. Yep. It, it it allowed me to to start the private client group at Fidelity because I had my brand was that I work with high net worth clients, and it was a huge break for me. Yep. And it was lucky that I dialed that number right. for sure. But you know, not a lot of guys were calling at seven o'clock that night. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That it, you know, there are nights that you weren't staying late. Or there are other numbers to call, and just as it turns out, and clearly the person who answered was there and receptive. So there was timing on yep. his person, on his part as well as your own. So that's interesting. 
Uh, right. So I, I'm surmising that if I ask you to rank your career one through ten, ten being high, uh, going to get a pretty good score. What would it be? You know, I, I think my career at Fidelity was, you know, a, a, a nine or a ten. I, I left at the top of my game. I just got a, a, a national award in the, the role I was in. And my career here has been very rewarding, but it's on. It's not finished yet. You yeah. know, we we we've grown this business nicely. We, we're hitting a stride here, and and we'll see. Uh, but I'm enjoying the ride. Well, I'll, I'll get my grade to you, you know, <laughs> okay. a little way down the okay, line. Okay, that's super. And how about uh, along the way? Uh, it's good to have some humor. Any interesting stories? Uh, or it doesn't have to be funny, but any interesting stories you'd share? You know, I, I, as I think back from a career perspective and thinking of if there are younger guys thinking about making a move, um, you know, I, I, I balked at it a couple of times and uh, chickened out, so to speak, when I had been approached. And um, I'm glad I finally made the move that I did and that I didn't jump at the ones that, that had come along. Um, they're big moves and take your time with it, but don't be afraid to do it. I think is the advice. And that's really what, what my story was. I, I got lucky with that too, the, right. the move that I ended up making. Now I did lead you towards a humorous story, but, uh, people have answered this question. One person told me that, uh, she can play the trumpet very well. And, uh, another person, uh, talked to me about what they did on a certain, remote trip that they took. So uh, if I really keep peeling the onion here, uh, did you ever, one person broke the four minute mile. Now, neither one of us can claim that, but uh, <laughs> did, how many holes in one have you had? <laughs> well, I, I have had a, I had a hole in one with, with my dad in attendance, which was great, but probably the funnier one was with my brother-in-law I dunked one on a par three, and uh, he very quickly pointed out that it's not a hole-in-one, it's a hole-in-three, because I had shanked my first ball into the water. <laughs> uh, it would be your brother-in-law. it's really one. Yeah, your father-in-law wouldn't have said that, but your brother-in-law <laughs> gave you up in a second. Well, this has been very Absolutely. interesting, Brian. I'm sure the listeners uh, have got a lot out of it, and uh, we, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining us in CareerPod. Great, thank you. Thank you.